Welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On Wisco Legacy, we talk to inspiring Wisconsinites to hear all about their life's journey. If you want to hear how to live your best life, listen to this episode of Wisco Legacy with Josh Pierce. Josh brought the fire to this episode. He's, he was born and raised in Judah, Wisconsin, small town here in southern Wisconsin, and now he lives in Austin, Texas, where he's a life and success coach. We talked about his work he does in the life and success coach industry. We talked about the journey that led him there. Uh, he was a federal uh, probationary officer for a while, and he's had some interesting and tragic things happen in his life. Uh, 11 years ago, he lost his youngest brother and best friend, Tyler, to suicide. It was uh, a tough journey. Uh, beyond that and he's had 11 years to reflect on that we, we dive into the experience of losing your brother to suicide and what he took from that uh, and then later on in the episode right towards the end of the episode we talked about uh, a milestone that he just passed three years ago he donated his kidney to his father uh, it's truly inspiring to see him without any hesitation go out and donate an organ to his dad and it was honestly a really painless experience for, for Josh and really an incredible moment and uh, really gave his dad a new lease on life. So Josh is an incredibly inspiring person. He's done so much good in this world. I'm so excited to share his journey through life. If you like this episode, head on out to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Wisco Legacy. Really excited to get this episode out. So without further ado, let's dive on in with Josh Pierce. What's up? I'm Josh Pierce. I am a life and success coach, and I help people envision what their dream life looks like and then create a life that aligns with that. And this is my Wisco Legacy. Josh, I'm really excited for you to, to join Wisco Legacy today. Thanks for agreeing to do this. Welcome to Wisco Legacy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and super excited to share my story. If I can help just anybody else, if I can help one other person, it's worth the time for me. Absolutely. So you grew up in Judah, Wisconsin. Can you talk about the community of Judah and, and what it was like growing up there? Oh my gosh. Judah is is one of the smallest towns that I've ever like personally known. Um, there's about 300 people in the town. I graduated Um from a high school where there were 90 students in my high school, not in my graduating class, but in my high school. Um, there were actually 15 students in my graduating class, which was pretty rare for um, even our school. There are usually, you know, 25 students per class. We had 15. It was, it was an interesting experience. Nine girls, six guys, you kind of grow up knowing everybody. Um, you know, I felt like I could never get away, get away with anything as a kid because my mom and dad always seemed to know everybody talks, you know? Um, and yeah, it was just, it, it was an incredible experience where I grew up, like, like I felt like the entire, the entire town was an extension of my family. And of course, growing up and, and getting into high school, playing, you know, as a three sport athlete, it was pretty common at, at the small schools. So um, grew up into sports, was never, you know, like big into fitness or anything like that at the time. It was just something I did to like, like pass the time. It was fun. And um, yeah, looking back that growing up in that small community, the way I did, um, really helped shape me into who I was today. It really helped me crave to get out and see the world and see big cities and, and travel to other countries and, and really expand my, like how cultured I was. So it's, it really kind of propelled me forward and I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
yeah, Judah's a, a really cool town. I got some family that, that live over there. And uh, yeah, those small communities, there's a ton of them in Wisconsin. Everybody knows everybody. You build a really great community. There's generally some really good school support uh, for those small communities. So, you know, being at a basketball game or something, you got a fair amount of people from the town there supporting. And yeah, really, really fun. So what did you do after high school? So after high school, I went on to college. I went to school for uh, criminal justice in Spanish. The the dream was always to get into like forensic science, and, and I was you know felt prey to like watching CSI when I was in high school, and I was like I want to do that. Um, get to college and end up shifting my major to criminal justice, and and went into federal law enforcement. So I went to you know, Wisconsin Whitewater uh, for well, I was there for four years, but I was in college for five years with you know transferring schools. I actually studied abroad in Spain, in Sevilla, Spain, um, my last semester of college, which was an incredible experience. I recommend anybody listening to this if you've got kids, you're curious about you know if they should study abroad, like it was hands down one of the best experiences of my life. And it taught me so much about just like, about living, about getting outside of this, the small box that I called home or whatever. Um, so that was amazing. But uh, yeah, I went on to go to school for criminal justice, got into federal law enforcement, was very, very fortunate to get a job as a federal probation officer, pretty much right out of college, which actually moved me from Wisconsin all the way to Orlando, Florida, where I spent the next eight, nine years of my life. Wow. Nine years. Time flies, doesn't it? Right. It did, yeah. I've listened to some, some other podcasts that you've been guests on and it sounds like when you were in college, you had some, some body image issues and you were kind of the, the typical college guy, you know, eating pizza and all that stuff. Can you talk through that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, I, going through high school, I, you know, I had a lot of friends, but I never really felt like I fit in. I always felt like I was the person who, who didn't belong in the group or like the person that people was always talking about. And I don't know that that was actually true. I think it was just stories I was creating in my head at the time. Um, but then of course I get to college and those stories started to like compound on top of each other. And I started to really feel like, like everyone was looking at me. Like I couldn't couldn't feel comfortable walking into a room as who I was, I started to really fear like the public speaking and things like that because I didn't want to draw attention to me. Um, so really started to struggle with these body image issues. And actually after my sophomore, was it a year and a half into college, I had gained 50 pounds from high school. And it really was like rock, rock bottom for me. I remember a friend of mine, one of my roommates actually was like, dude, you're like addicted to food. And that was like, that was my waking up moment where I was like, oh shit, like, I need to do something about this because I, I am um, and really started to try to change my body. And that was where the battle really started because before that, I never really tried to do anything about it. So the battle really started there and that I was like, all right, well, how can I get this weight off? How can I lose weight? We have spring break coming up. I've got three months. What can I do? So I started taking fat loss pills. I started, you know, doing all the, the quick fat loss diets, keto, intermittent fasting, things like that, that promised quick weight loss, but it didn't turn out that way for me. If I did lose any weight, it always came back and it came, it seemed to always come back heavier, more weight than, than before. So a couple of years of doing that and, and really trying a bunch of different things, trying to figure it out. And I eventually, eventually figured it out. I eventually figured out that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try and fit my life into this tiny little box. That is a diet. I'm going to instead fit my nutrition plan, like like the approach that I'm taking to lose weight, fit that into the lifestyle that I want to live. And when I made that shift and started, you know, you know, really trying to you know create parameters and boundaries around my eating and my my 
you know, movement and stuff like that, that fit inside my life, the life that I wanted to live, I no longer felt like I was missing out. I no longer felt like I had to give up the life I wanted to live. Um, I could, I felt like I could finally have, get the body I wanted and live the life I wanted as a, you know, young twenties guy at the time. And it was amazing. It was great. And that is something that I just continued to run with. It changed my life so much that over the next few years, I just, I fell in love with, with nutrition. I fell in love with fitness. I fell in love with helping other people do the same exact thing, which I'm sure we'll get to, but actually led into uh, a career change for me down the road. I 100% relate to what you were saying. So I, I went to college and I immediately gained that 50 pounds and more. Um, I was addicted to food and, you know, it took me, it, it took me like a decade to make a change in my life to get me to where I, I wanted to be. And so I lost, I lost a hundred pounds, um, oh, wow. within the last couple of years. Yeah. And, um, it took a, a big mindset shift for me. And so, uh, I'm glad you had that, that friend that said something and, and really got you going in college and uh, got you on a path that, uh, really, I mean, you spent a lot of time in your, your life helping others in that, that same area. So that's really great. You had that, that experience in college to kind of shift that mindset. Right. Well, it's, you know, I, I, I think about that and it's, I, what, what made it different for me and like helping other people, you know, at first people would come to me and they're like, you know, Josh, can you help me? Can you, can you tell me what to eat? Can you put together a grocery list for me? And I was like, why are you looking at me? Like, I don't, I don't have this stuff all figured out. I'm just trying to figure it out myself. And I, I look back on that later on and I was like, wait a minute, these guys didn't want an expert helping them. They wanted someone who reminded them of themselves. They wanted someone who's been through it before, who knows what it's like to be, feel like they're at rock bottom, to work through these battles. And that, like when I realized that, it was like I stepped into a whole new level of power because I realized that myself as I am can help a lot of people. I don't need to be this, this high level expert. I don't need to look like this Greek God or anything like that. Like I, I could just be me and show people how I do it. And that was it. And I ended up like going on to make a living doing that. And it, it's incredible because it, you know, like, like the most fulfilling thing for me is showing other people how they can live the life they want to live. You know, I've, I've cracked the code for myself and, you know, I, I don't say that to boast. I say that to show other people what's possible so that they can go ahead and do the same. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to, I want to rewind a little bit and kind of shift back. Um, you've had some, some, tragedy happened in your life. Um, back in 2011, uh, your brother Tyler committed suicide. And can you talk about your, your tight knit relationship with your brother and, and how that affected you and how you responded to that? Absolutely. So yeah, it's been, gosh, coming up on 11 years now. Um, at the end of March, it'll be 11 years. And uh, Tyler and I were best of friends. We were two years apart. He was younger, younger, young, my younger brother. Um, and and we grew up with with all the same friends. We grew up on the same sports team. So we grew up almost almost as if twins would grow up. Um, and you know there was some rivalry there, some competition, and never really saw him like like you know if you were to ask me you know is this your best friend? You know, I probably wouldn't have said that because they're like, no, it's my brother, man. I, I want to kick his ass, you know? But, um, it's like what, as we went, we ended up both going to whitewater together and really growing together as our relationship we really started to grow together as friends, as like, like almost like partners in life. And it was, it was incredible. And, um, 
in March, after, this was shortly after the Packers won the Super Bowl. And, and that was actually an incredible, incredible moment because he was over at our place. We had a Super Bowl party and his, he was the biggest Packer fan I'd ever met in my life. And, um, you know, and he actually said after the Packers had won the Super Bowl, he's like, my life is complete. Like I, I, have, I have everything that I needed to see is I've seen it. Like, like, you know, just kind of say that in passing and six weeks later, you know, I get, I get, my last text message from him, I get a call from my father that he had taken his own life. And it completely like, like flipped my life upside down. This is a man who, you know, if anybody knew Tyler, he, he had hundreds of friends, he always had a smile on his face, he was always laughing or cracking jokes, like, you know, being so close to him, none of us knew anything was going on. We, we had no clue that we were completely blindsided by this news that he had just decided to take his own life. So of course me as the brother I'm thinking, where did I go wrong? What could, what could I have done differently? Like, like, you know, and, and to just share the last text message that he sent to me and I, I'm an open book with this stuff. So I, I have no problem sharing this. I know that, um, you know, sharing some of these things can help a lot of other people. I know it has. So that's why I feel comfortable sharing this. But, uh, the last message he sent to me was, the night that he took his own life and I was sleeping, it was 12, 16 AM. Um, and I get a text message from him. I, I see this at three 30 in the morning when I wake up to use the restroom, but the text message said, Hey man, I just want to let you know, you were more than a brother to me. You were my best friend. Uh, we had a lot of great times together growing up and we drank a lot of great beers together as we got older. Let me know how the Packers do this year. I love you, man. And that was it. That was it. And I, I read that text message when I woke up to use the restroom and I'm like, Oh shit. You know, like, uh, like I, I knew I, I had this knowing and I call him, you know, 10, 15 times and I'm like freaking out. And of course my dad comes in and picks me up and, and takes me back home from whitewater back to Judah about an hour away. And you know, all this time, like I completely forgot all of that. Like I'm in shock and everything, but where I really beat myself up there was I started reading between the lines in that text message. And I started thinking, well, if I'm more than a brother, if I'm your best friend, well, what the heck, man? Why couldn't you talk to me? Well, why did I, how did I not know anything? Um, so there was that. And then there was the, he sent his text message to me at 12, 16 AM. The last text message he sent to his best friend was at 12, 20 AM. How many times, you know, of course, this is a brother guilt in me. Like how many times could I have called him and him hit ignore? You know, I could, I could have probably called him a hundred times in four minutes and he hits ignore every time. Just one of those times, push him over the edge to where he says, you know what? I'm not going to do this. So I really beat myself up so bad for like, like feeling like it was my fault, feeling like there was something I should have done. Of course, 11 years later, I'm, I'm still healing. I'm not healed from that, but I'm healing. And I know that, that there's nothing I could have done. I know that his choice was his choice and, and there's no fault. There's no blame. You know, I don't, I don't point any blame to anybody with that. It, it's, you know, that, that was, that was his choice. So, uh, uh, but at first, you know, I can say that, that it caused a lot of pain for me, a lot of like, you know, feeling guilty, a lot of, um, anger, like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? But why are you solving a temporary problem with that permanent solution like that? And now I, I, you know, I've really let a lot of that go as part of my healing journey. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was a life-changing event for our entire family. You know, one of the things that we did right away when we could have kind of sat and, and marinated in this and um, kind of let this negative situation consume us, we quickly banded together. Thank you to the local communities of Judah, Monroe, Southern Wisconsin. We all banded together and 
put together a foundation, Tyler's team foundation. And it all started with a Memorial softball tournament that summer, August of 2011. And it, grew to this thing that we did every single summer for the next eight years. So we did nine years straight, brought in $15,000, $20,000 a year that we could then put right back into the local schools and the local communities, whether it's bringing in like keynote speakers, um, donating books to local libraries, like all of these incredible things that we were able to now like, like turn this pot, turn this negative situation into such a positive that's going to then impact people in our community. And it, it was, it was fantastic. It was, it's one of the best things that we could have done in that situation. And it was a great way to pull everybody together and make light out of it. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine being in there, you know, losing your, your best friend and, and brother there. And yeah, I I've had, um, Jacob swag, uh, the Ellison's mm-hmm. from Monroe on, uh, they, they lost their son to suicide too. And so they've done a lot of really great work in that, that space too. So it's really awesome that, uh, your family is taking, um, you know, using his legacy, uh, in such a positive light. Yeah, we actually, we actually did a lot of work with the Swag Foundation for, for years. You know, we, we, you know, partnered with them and, and, you know, collaborated on events and stuff like that. And it was, it, it, it's, it's incredible when you see other families, other people in the community that have gone through something like this too, because it's like, there's this, there's this immediate bond of like, you, you, you understand, you get, you get it. And, and that was what that was. That was how that formed. And, you know, we have other people that we work with closely too, or people that reach out when they're, when they lose someone close, cause they don't know how to go through it. They don't know how to handle it. And it's just, it's really cool to be there to support others and, and, you know, show them how we've been able to make it such a positive thing. But I will say one of the, one of the things going through that, you know, is that, you know, this, this battle of like, am I handling this right? You know, should I be crying more? Should I be more emotional? Should I not be so open about it? Like, like nobody ever teaches you how to handle that stuff. So that was one of the biggest challenges that I went through. And then of course, what happened was, you know, I'm a 22 year old guy at the time and I know I need to get help, but that's not what college guys do. That wouldn't be a manly thing to do. So I, so I didn't, I swept it under the rug and then I get a job in federal law enforcement and I know I could definitely get some therapy, but Oh gosh, I have a top secret security clearance. I don't want them to know and think I'm crazy. I don't want them to, you know, like, like have, have me sit behind a desk all my life and, and not be able to carry a gun. So I didn't get help then. And now, you know, that I have my own business, you know, coaching and everything, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big supporter of getting the help you need. So I've been, you know, for the last two and a half years, I've finally been able to get the help that I need and, and actually really start my healing journey, which has been incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. All right. So you want to talk about, uh, your experience moving down to Florida. Um, it sounded like you uh, got into your coaching aspect of things fairly early on in your law enforcement career too. Yeah, absolutely. So I moved to Florida when I was what, 23 years old, um, knew nobody down there and it was, it was a battle, you know, so I was really struggling with the body image issues still when I moved to Florida and, and how I've explained it is like, I, I really had a hard time making the transition from a boy to a man. Like I, I didn't really recognize, I didn't see the masculinity. I didn't, I didn't, I felt like a, I felt like I had just hadn't developed yet. And I, I felt very inferior when I would meet other adults, when I would meet other coworkers, when I would, you know, I was a federal probation officer knocking on doors of thugs and, 
And I was like, well, how am I going to, how are they going to take me seriously if I don't even feel like a man? So that body image thing really started to like become like a wound that festered and created some urgency for me to figure, figure it out. Uh, well, I didn't know anybody at the time, no friends down there yet or anything like that. Didn't have the confidence to get myself out there and make any friends. So I you know, started a relationship with the gym up the road and really, um, you know, dove in and, and it was you know, a lot of people would say it was like an addiction or an obsession. Um, you know, six days a week I was there and I looked forward to it so much and just like really fell in love with the journey, really fell in love with pushing myself to new boundaries and, and challenging myself and watching the growth that comes with it. And what started as a completely external journey of like, I just want to get this stupid weight off became this internal journey of wow, I've taken control of all of these things in my life when I didn't think I could, what else can I take control of? And I started to get curious about, you know, relationships in my life, my career, things like that. And really just started that, like the confidence just started to grow. It was because it wasn't that I lost the weight that gave me the confidence. It was the thing that the new way that I was seeing myself, it was the things that I was accomplishing, like following through with my commitments that gave me this new level of confidence. Well, Friends, family, coworkers, people started reaching out saying, dude, can you help me out? Can you give me some pointers here? And, you know, as I shared, I was like, always like, why me? You know, but finally embraced it and realized I can help a lot of people with this and started a coaching business um, as literally just a side hustle. This was, I never, ever wanted it to be the thing. I just wanted to do it on the side and, and be able to help people in a better way. So started as a side hustle and did that for, gosh, about a year and a half while I was in law enforcement. And I was, you know, I'd go to work during the day, I would spend my evenings coaching. I and, and what actually ended up happening was I started to get frustrated that I was giving what was left of my, I was giving what I was most passionate about at the end of the day, the, the coaching, I was giving that what was left of me after spending 40, 45 hours going to a full-time job. And, and it started out not really being an issue, but as I found that I was really changing people's lives, I found, you know, saw how much freedom I was helping them create, the passion grew. And I started to really get uncomfortable with that and started to think about how can I, how can I get out of this? How can I actually do this full time? And hired a coach to help me grow the business. Within nine months, I took that business from where I was making, um, you know, just a few hundred dollars a month as a side hustle to making enough where I could leave my career full time. And I did that. It was the one of the biggest decisions I, I could have made in my life. And I'll tell you, when I made that decision, this is something I talk about a lot now in my coaching. When I made that decision, I was terrified. I had this like gut-wrenching feeling in my stomach. I'm thinking, you know, gosh, I have the pension here. If I just stay, I could just grind this out and check the boxes and 19 more years. That's all I got to do. Or I could, you know, bet on myself and, you know, big chance I fail and lose it all or whatever. And, and you know, it was like this, it was terrifying decided to bet on myself, decided to make a run for it. And it was, it was the best thing I could have done. The last three and a half years, last, last three years have been greater than I could have ever imagined. I've been able to do things. I've created relationships. I've traveled places that I never, ever, ever, ever would have been able to do if I stayed in that comfortable situation that was my nine to five. What was the biggest deciding factor in you uh, leaving law enforcement then? So just just you wanting to take that leap of faith? You know, I 
Yeah, there was a while, I mean, for about six years in law enforcement, I wanted to retire as a, as a chief probation officer. I, my goal was to climb the ranks. And over time, um, I started to... I started to just not love what I was doing. And, and I, I always wanted to help people, always wanted to help people, but I was helping people that wanted nothing to do with me. So I was pouring a ton of energy into these people that they, they would, they would cringe when I, when I showed up, they would, you know, probably talk, talk about me when I left, you know, I was the last person they wanted to see, of course, you know? So, so that was a big one. Um, it was kind of a weird, you know, the, the, the agency I worked for, of course, in Orlando, they're different all over the country, but it was, it was kind of strange in that I, you know, like some of the things I was being asked to do, I didn't really feel comfortable with. I kind of felt like I was almost like being asked to like turn my head on a lot of things. Like I was putting myself in these very dangerous situations. And when I would find, you know, uncover things, they'd be like, no, 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 we're not going to, we're not going to do anything about that. So I'm like, I started to feel like my work wasn't purposeful anymore. I started to feel like I was just being asked to like, just check the box so we can show them that we're doing what we're, our job. And once I realized that, once I started to see that, I'm a big, you know, like, like if I know what I'm doing is purposeful, I'm going to give it my all. When I start to feel like it's not purposeful, you're going to lose me. And that's what happened there was they lost me. They, they lost me and that I, I no longer saw the purpose in that work. And I had this other thing that I could clearly see the purpose in. And was, it was obvious there. And, and that's where like that, how obvious that was, it was, it was so easy. It's so easily outweighed any of the negatives, you know, any of that, the risk or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I did assume a big risk. I did walk away from the pension and benefits and all of that, but, but I, we tell ourselves these stories that I need that pension. I need those benefits. But the reality is you can go get those benefits elsewhere. I've, I, it's been very easy to, you know, pick up the health insurance. Of course, yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more, but, but to stay in an uncomfortable situation, a situation that you're not happy with because of those things, you're, you're basically creating your own prison. And I realized that, and that was the deciding factor as well. I'm, I, I'm like, I have the key to my own prison cell and I can get out of this if I want. And I did. Yeah. Did you have any self-doubt when you made the leap? Yes. I have self-doubt all the time. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Um, That was, that was the big (laughs) thing, you know, because, you know, I had, you know, I, you know, in a government job, I would look around and my coworkers would be like, dude, you just, you you just grind it out. Like I am, I just got 16 more years. I could just grind it out. Just do that. And, and so it was like this constant pressure of like, you could just take the easy route. And then there's this entrepreneurship. You see all the statistics of like, you know, like, one in every hundred are successful, the rest fail or whatever. I don't know what they are, but, but yeah, there was a ton of self-doubt. I remember I was in college. I remember I lived with a bunch of business majors in college and I told my roommates at one time, we were talking about owning our own businesses. And uh, I told my roommates, I would love to own my own business someday, but that's not for people like me. I'm just middle-class. Like that was the belief that I held. Like I I actually believed that because I just grew up in Judah, Wisconsin. We don't, we don't own our own businesses. We don't do things like that. That's not people like me. And, and so that was the story. So of course there was self-doubt and, you know, how do you get over self-doubt? You, you, you prove yourself wrong. You bet on yourself and prove yourself wrong. And, and, you know, what I found is that just believing that you can succeed, isn't going to guarantee success. You're successful, but believing that you cannot succeed guarantees that you're never going to do it. It, it's, it's, you know, like, like you're not even giving yourself, if you don't believe you can do it, you're not even giving yourself a chance. So you have to, but that belief in yourself is the single biggest thing. It's, it's like your greatest superpower. And most of us choose not to use it because of 
our BS stories from the past because, you know, you know, other people told us you'll never be able to do that. You need to do this instead or whatever it is. So, you know, there was a lot of that and there still is, there still is, but I've since learned ways to work through that. Yeah, that's really great. Um, so you initially started your coaching business in the, um, kind of weight loss nutrition areas. sounds like you've expanded a bit. Can you talk about what you're, what you're currently doing now? Yeah, absolutely. So for three, three and a half years, I did solely nutrition coaching, helping, helping women from, you know, between 25 and 40, 45, helping them lose weight, helping them recover from restrictive dieting, you know, get away from the the plans that they've tried that didn't work, the keto, the intermittent fasting, whatever, whatever they tried that, that didn't work for them and helping them create a lifestyle that, that, you know, fits what they you know really desire. And that was fantastic. And we created some incredible transformations. And actually, you know, what, what our standard transformation ended up becoming over time up until, you know, like, like six months ago, these, the transformations started to all look like this. I would hear things like, Josh, when I came in, I wanted nothing more than to lose weight and I've lost weight and it's been great, but I have become a better mom, a better wife, a better, this, a better, that I'm the best version of myself. I've, I've could ever be. And if I never lost another pound, I would be totally happy because all of those other things are way better than anything weight loss could give me. So I realized that I was helping people become the best version of themselves, which is what they thought the weight loss was going to give them. It was like they they, they, they wanted to get to this, this destination. It was feeling great about themselves, feeling worthy, loved, respected, whatever. And they thought that weight loss was going to be the vehicle that would get them there. And what I ended up showing them was that Hey, weight loss might get you there, but why wait to be that person until you lose the 50 or 100 pounds that you want to lose? That might be six months, a year, or even two years down the road, if, if anything. So you might never get to do that. It's, con- it's contingent upon your weight loss. What if we just did that, went straight there? What if, what if we just made the goal becoming the best version of yourself, becoming the best wife, the best mom, the best you know, partner? And all while you're doing that, you're losing weight. Weight loss becomes easier because you're showing up as a better version of yourself. You're you're more confident. You're more energetic. So I realized that that was the real transformation that we were creating. And when, this last summer, I started to feel you know I started to have this this feel this pull toward going deeper with the people I was working with, and that I wanted to create that transformation, but not just for people that wanted to lose weight. I, I wanted to make it accessible to everybody that wanted that transformation. So that's where the shift came in. It's now, you know, life and success coaching, really helping people become the best version of themselves, become really envisioning what, what is your dream life look like? Your most fulfilled life. What would that look like if you could have anything and everything you ever wanted? And now who is the person that is capable of achieving that, of living that life. What habits do they have? What, what routines do they have? What beliefs, thought processes, what, you know, what does their life look like? And then how can we get you to become that person? That is how you can live the life that you dream of today by just becoming the person who's capable of that. And that's what we do now. And it's incredible. It's, it's really just helping you create a life that aligns with your highest, most authentic self. Yeah. When, when I started my weight loss journey, I did not expect uh, to have such a transformational change in my life either. Uh, I totally attest to what you were saying. You know, I feel like I'm a better father, husband, 
employee, all of that. I just feel like I'm a better person overall, having gone through the journey of, of weight loss. And, you know, I'm in a, a period where I'm just kind of maintaining at this point in time, hoping to kick back into it uh, fairly soon. But it's uh, that, that journey uh, for that transformational change has been just incredible. So it is, it's, I, you know, I love the fact I, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I love the fact that you're, you're expanding beyond that. And, and instead of being hyper-focused on that nutrition, it's that, that full, full transformational change. Absolutely. And, and of course, inside of that, that, that doesn't mean we're not helping people lose weight. Like we are, people are, you know, it, it's, it's almost like we're, we're casting a bigger net. We're aiming higher, so we're going to accomplish. We're, we're going to like like cast that bigger net, or it's it's going to be a bigger an umbrella that covers more. And it's like if we just focus on the nutrition and weight loss, great, we're going to do that. But if you want that weight loss so that you can have these other things in life, there's no guarantee that if we spend this next six months mastering the weight loss, that you're going to have those other things. So let's just focus on those other things, and inside of that you're going to start showing up for yourself better. You're going to start taking care of yourself because you see a different person. When you look in the mirror, you wake up feeling like a different person. And now when you change how you're showing up, who you're showing up as you're not forcing these habits into place. You're not trying to fit Cinderella's shoe onto your foot anymore. Instead, what happens is it starts to feel natural. It starts to feel effortless. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. It, it really is. And I, you know, like, like I said, I wanted, I wanted to make that kind of transformation accessible to people that, didn't necessarily have weight to lose or weren't ready to invest in weight loss coaching necessarily, but they really need, you know, the guidance in all these other areas of their life. So now we're helping people really, you know, improve their mindset, create life transformations, get into careers that light them up. Um, you know, we've helped a lot of people go from their nine to five job that they're not passionate about to things like starting their own businesses, getting into their dream careers, um, you know, whatever, whatever really lights them up. Can you talk about the rewarding factors of being a, a life and success coach and maybe some of the, the challenges you have uh, in that too? Oh my gosh. So they, they actually go hand in hand. Um, so with my personality type, and I, I, I use the Enneagram personality t- um, test when I speak about my personality type, I'm a type two, which is, is the helper. So I, by nature, I am very like plugged into like, how can I help other people? How can I make sure that you're taken care of, that you're getting what you need? And I do that so much that it's common for me to put my needs last and, and, you know, like I'll put everybody else first, take care of myself last. And it's not a great quality. It can be a great quality, but, but it's, it makes for some challenges. So the fulfilling rewarding aspect of this is I love like, like being able to help other people step into their full potential, seeing other people go from feeling stuck and lost and trapped and broken and hopeless. Like I was 10 years ago seeing them go from that place where they don't see a future to helping them literally like, like create their own future. Like, like the page is blank. You're holding the pen. What are you going to write? Being able to do that with someone is the most fulfilling thing I've ever, ever experienced in my life. Like, like it's like I'm helping, I'm, I'm, I'm taking, it's almost like I'm taking them, taking someone and walking them up to the mirror and helping them see who they really are for the first time, how much power they really have, and then showing them how to use it. It's, it's incredible. So with that, of course, with that reward, it comes some challenges in that I have to really be intentional about not basing my worth on the work that I do. I it, it, like, like the fact that I can help you become successful and lose weight or create the life you want should not 
dictate my success. And, and it can be kind of, it can be challenging to not muddy those lines. And, and I, you know, am very plugged into if you're not doing well, then, oh my gosh, I take that personal. Like I take that as like, I'm failing here. So that's where it can be a big challenge. Being the helper, being so plugged in and tuned to other people's um, success and failures is that I'm with them through the ups. I'm with them through the downs and, and yeah, it, it can just be a battle there. So it's really what it's required me to do is just become very good about setting boundaries, which and now is a huge part of even my coaching practice, you know, helping other people set boundaries because you know, so much of what I do with coaching is like, I'm showing you things that have worked for me in my life. I'm not doing anything crazy and drastic that I would never do myself. So it's like, Hey, you know, I've had to learn how to set boundaries in my life. So I'm not a people pleaser anymore. I can show you how to do that too, you know, and things like that. So this has required me to do that. Yeah, that's really awesome. So you went from Judah to Orlando and now you're down, you're based down in Austin, Texas. Uh, What led you over to Austin? Oh, dude, so Austin. So my girlfriend and I moved to Austin in July, around 4th of July this last year. And we were moving in together for the first time and we just, we were walking around the block one day and we had a conversation. We're like, you know, we don't have to do this in Orlando. We could do this anywhere. And both of us had our own businesses. Both of us worked from home. And we started thinking about this. And we're like, yeah, we really could do this from anywhere. Uh, so we actually each put together our own list of like non-negotiables, things that we would want in the place that we lived. You know, the community, the environment, the weather, the, you know, the outdoors. Like, what do we want it to be like? And we compared our lists. They look pretty similar. And we're like, huh, that looks like Austin. And we actually went and checked it out for a weekend. And we're like, that, yeah, that sounds great. And within a month, we were moving to Austin. And it was it was incredible. The cross-country move um, is, is something that's really forced us to grow, get out of our comfort zones. Rachel and I, her name's Rachel, we both love to chase growth opportunities. And, and I'm so blessed to be in a partnership with someone who also is like that. You know, I love saying yes to opportunity. I love finding the, the opportunity for growth in every situation. So that, you know, like moving away from Orlando and starting our relationship in a new state, a new community where we were going to have to grow and get uncomfortable. It, it was, it was very fun to do. Um, and it's been one of the most rewarding decisions that I could have ever, ever made in my life because, you know, it's been what, six, eight months and the community we've created, the friends that we've made, the experiences that we've, um, that have kind of like, like come to us. We, we never would have had that in Orlando. We would have continued to like, almost like, like stay comfortable and we never would have, you know, it didn't, we wouldn't have had to get out of our comfort zone there. So it's, it's been amazing. It's been awesome. Yeah get complacent and uh then you're not you know thinking about that growth it's that's pretty cool that you're able to do that it it, like with that it it really goes back to kind of like the career thing when 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 i realize that where i'm at is not like where i want to stay like this doesn't really do it for me whether it's a career or relationship a friendship uh where i'm living when i realize that i know that i have the power to to change that you know, I'm not a tree. I can move if I want, you know, if it's the career and I wake up and I'm like, I don't love doing this anymore. Like I've, I've, you know, I now know that I can, I can change that. Nobody else is going to change that, but me. And that, like, I, I choose to be the living example to show other people what's possible. In that case, we didn't love where we were living. I didn't see it as home. I lived there for nine years and I still could never see it as home. 
So I moved and, and within six months, I'm like, yeah, this is home. This is it. This is great. Um, you know, but I'm it, again, as the example, showing other people that if you don't like where you are, if you don't like your situation, nobody else is going to change it. It's you. And you have to believe that you have that power and then trust, like have faith that it's going to work out. And, and that if you go and you try it and it doesn't work, you don't like it, you can always go back. And that's, you know, that's the one thing with, with moving away from Wisconsin, you know, I've kind of always told myself, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always, I can always be back. You know, I've, you know when I moved to Orlando, it was three to five years, I'll be back to Wisconsin. And after three to five years, it was like, yeah, maybe later. I'm not, I'm not in a hurry to get back, but I know that home will always be there. Family will always be there. I know like, like those things will be there. And it's kind of like that safety net that if I do fail, I don't like actually lose it all. You know, we tell ourselves worst case scenario, we think we're going to lose it all. We think we're going to fall flat on our face and everybody's going to make fun of us or whatever. That never happens though. You know, I say, I say often the worst thing that happens to most people in their lives is simply a thought about the worst case scenario. Like the most painful thing that most people will ever experience is their own mind taking them through worst case scenarios. So when I realized that, it's like, oh yeah, those worst case scenarios hardly ever happen. And I'm going to bet on myself because in the past, when I have, you know, statistically, I'm, you know, more the positive outcomes than negative. So I'm going to keep doing that. And I encourage everybody listening to this to start doing that because you're going to find the worst case scenario hardly ever happens. Yeah. And you have one life to live. Why not live it the way you want it? Absolutely. You want to do it. Yeah. So you're coming up on a three-year anniversary of something pretty, pretty special in your life. Do you want to share that? Oh my gosh. Absolutely. This is, I feel like I've said this two or three times now. Oh, this is one of the greatest, the most fulfilling things I've ever done. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's this list is showing up now and the next, you know, one of the, another one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever done is having the opportunity to donate my kidney to my father. Um, my dad, John Pierce is a type one diabetic and, um, it was it three years ago. So 2019, he needed a kidney transplant. His kidney was failing um, and he needed a kidney transplant. And I happened to be a match and was able to do that for him. And actually, you know, rewind back to like when I was 16 years old, I remember my dad pulled my brother and myself out into the driveway, driveway and was like, hey, um, keep this under wraps. But I just found out that, you know, there's going to come a time in the future where I will need a, a kidney. And, you know, if you know, that they may need, you know, from a live donor, that kind of a thing, and, and just kind of planting the seed. And I remember at that time, kind of like feeling like this, almost like this, like, like, not like a competition, but like, I want to be the one that does that. I want to be the one that gets to do that. And just kind of tucked that in the back of my mind and forgot about it, literally forgot about it. And then, um, you know, a couple of years back, like four months before it actually happened. So like September of 2018, my dad, gave me a call and said, Hey, you know, remember when we had that conversation, this is, this is happening. And, and it sounds like it's going to need to happen this, this winter. And I was like, what can I do? What can I do? You know, before he even asked me, I was like, yes, yes, I'm there. What can I do? And it was great. So they, they, the process was very, very, very simple. If anybody ever has this opportunity, I want to share how simple that process actually was. I was across country in Orlando, dad's in Judah, Wisconsin, and they set me up with blood work on the road. Um, didn't have to pay a dime. I just showed up, did the blood work. Um, called me a couple months later or a month later and said, Hey, we need you in Chicago for the official blood work and all that stuff. Great. They took care of it all. Um, the only thing I had to do was fly and made it so simple. And then February 25th of 2019 was when the operation happened. And 
it was a fantastic experience. My father and I were both in and out of, we were both in the same operating room, in and out and that morning of the operating room. Um, and we were out of the hospital. So that happened on a Monday morning. We were both, I was out of the hospital on a Wednesday afternoon and my dad was out by Thursday afternoon walking out of the hospital. Like that's how simple it was to donate my kidney. Now I literally only have one kidney. And, you know, for him to have no, like almost no energy, like, like always tired, always exhausted, to then being plugged into this, this new kidney. And he immediately felt this new life. He had energy immediately that he had never had, like he didn't remember having in the last three to five years. And it, it, it really did give him a new lease on life. So one of the most incredible experiences that, that I've ever been a part of and something that I, and I wholeheartedly mean this when I say I would do it again in a heartbeat. And it was such a simple, rather painless process that if I could, I would do that again for a stranger. Like if, if, if there was a stranger that needed that, like that's how, that's how simple and painless the process actually was that I would actually do that for a stranger if I could. I think that goes back to your, your Enneagram too, of being a helper too. You want to be best for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's, really that's is. such it's, an awesome experience. Yeah. It's like, if there's anything I can do to, to help someone live a better life, I'm there to do it. And, and like that, like it costed me exactly $0. It, you know, it, it costed me some of my time. Um, you know, I, I, you know, the recovery process was, was a bit of a challenge because I, um, I wasn't able to work out. I started to lose a lot of the muscle I had and really went through like this identity crisis where I, I didn't see the masculinity that I used to see in the mirror. Um, so I, I really struggled there and it, it posed some challenges there, but, but that was, you know, like that was it, that was it. It was, you know, the, the, like when it comes to pain and all of that, it was not near as bad as I thought. And, and I like really want to like shout that from the rooftop so that everybody can know that, that they really do make it such a smooth process. I have these five little, five tiny little holes, um, little scars in my body. And I was able to, like, I was back in the gym, like, like, like I was walking, you know, I walked out of the hospital two days after it happened. I was, um, you know, out with my friends. I was hanging out with my friends 10 days later. Um, you know, I was pretty couch ridden for that, those 10 days. Um, you know, flew back to Orlando after 10, 10 days and I was living on my own and was getting by on my own. It was, it was great. Um, was out of the gym for six weeks. Um, I had weight restrictions for, for six more weeks after that. And I was like, I remember at, at four weeks after I donated my kidney, I remember like bending over and turning and twisting and was like, I have full range of motion and I have no pain. I'm like perfectly normal again, four weeks after. And it made a huge difference in your dad's life too. It did. Like I, I see him at, you know, see him at Christmas, you know, just not too long ago, see him at Christmas or, you know, when they came down to visit me and, and seeing him with the energy that he has now, you know, and, and I remember, you know, I used to have conversations with my mom and she'd be like, you know, dad, he just wants to sleep all the time. You know, he gets home and lays on the couch and it's like now, like he's like a brand new person. And, and it's like that reminder of like, oh my gosh, like he, that wasn't by choice that he was sleeping all the time. Like he actually couldn't. And now he can't like he, you know, it, 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 it does give him new life. Like, so he can get out and create new experiences and, and be the best dad, be the best partner, all of that. And it's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. 
That's really cool. And you mentioned uh, you were kind of in an, an identity crisis yourself after that. Uh, you lost a bunch of muscle and you had to kind of rebuild that back. And it sounds like there was a little bit of a pivot in your your mindset once that that occurred. Is that correct? Yeah, there really was. Um, you know, what, a couple things with that was leading up to that. So I, I shared my fitness journey was was pretty much like the the nine years leading up to that. And, you know, I never really got into fitness much before that. I was an athlete, but I didn't, you know, I, I would eat like Burger King and McDonald's before our basketball games. Like I was not like an intelligent athlete. Um, so for nine years, I was like building muscle and, and trying to become this, this, you know, I was putting my value into like what I saw in the mirror, you know, the muscle, the, the shoulders, the chest, all of that. And after I donated my kidney, what happened was I, I actually lost because I, I was training so hard and I went to not training at all. I actually lost so much muscle. Um, I lost 20 pounds, 20 pounds of muscle in, in like the four to six weeks after surgery. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I would love to do that. I'd love to lose 20 pounds, but it was like, no, I lost a lot of muscle. It wasn't the fat. Um, and like I said, I didn't recognize who I was in the mirror anymore. Um, you know, all that masculinity, like the blood, sweat, tears, the hard work that was like, all, it all felt like it was gone. Um, and I was in, in, you know, I would have these conversations with myself. Like I, I'm the same exact person though. Like nothing else changed. I just look different. And it, it like gave me that I had this massive realization because I would see these, these massive guys at the gym, you know, these big bodybuilders and, and I would feel this, this, like, like they're, they're in a different world as me. They're like way up here and I'm way down here. And I had this realization that tomorrow that guy that's massive could lose all of that. And he's going to be the same exact person. He's going to be no different. So why do we put, why do we, we put so much value in how people look, their physical appearance when that can all change at the drop of a hat and it doesn't affect who we actually are. So when I realized that I was like, Oh, so now when I'm, when working toward my fitness goals and stuff like that, I don't really like, yeah, I, I want to look good. Of course, you know, we all want to look good, but that's not why I'm doing it because it's not about that. It, it's, it's, you know, developing myself as a person. It's, it, it gave me like a whole new level of power in my own fitness journey. It like took the power away from the aesthetics of like how I look, the muscle, the size, the body fat percentage. And it took it more to like how I feel, how do I, how do I feel in this body? How do I move in this body? And that was awesome. So that was one of the biggest things, the biggest realizations coming out of that. Um, and you know, with that too, it posed an incredible challenge inside of, you know, business as well, because, you know, it, it kind of turned into like a depression for a few months. Um, of course, undiagnosed. So I can't, you know, I can't say that it was clinical depression or anything, but, but I, you know, just kind of like sat in this, this mental state and kind of like wallowed in it and didn't know what to do. I was kind of paralyzed. Um, and all while that was happening, like, like I stopped showing up, I stopped showing up for myself. I stopped showing up for my clients. I stopped showing up just, just in general. And I felt like I was like slowly letting my coaching business slip away. And actually, you know, at the right time I had, you know, there was a big retreat weekend with other coaches that I went to and was able to hear exactly what I needed to give me that spark to like light this fire that I have so much to share. I have so much to, to like impact the world with. And that if I don't share that, all of those people are going to continue to struggle. All of those people are going to continue to cry themselves to sleep at night, feel miserable, hate what they see when they look in the mirror. And I, I felt this, this duty, this, this obligation 
to, to step into my power and use it and haven't looked back since it's been, you know, one of the, the greatest blessings that, that could have happened. Yeah, that's really phenomenal. So can you, you tell everybody how, how we can follow you on social media? If you, there are people are interested in uh, using your services, how, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I am very present on Instagram. That's where you can find me every single day. And my direct messages are always open. I'm an open book. So if anything we've shared today or we've talked about today, like like you want to ask about, you want to ask questions about, you want to go deeper with any of that, just shoot me a message. My Instagram is um, the Josh Pierce. So T-H-E-J-O-S-H-P-I-E-R-C-E. Um, that's going to be the easiest way to find me and get a hold of me. Also, I have a podcast, Fit to be Fierce podcast. And uh, that's on Spotify, all the, all the different podcast platforms. So you check that out. There's a lot of the older episodes are a lot of like nutrition and, and how to make the nutrition fit your lifestyle. So there's a lot of good stuff there if you want to lose weight. The newer episodes are a lot of like mindset, how to really like transform your life from the inside out, how to start living a life that, that feels like a dream, that feels like a vacation. So Instagram, podcast. Um, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. If you have any questions about anything we talked about, you know, even what it would look like to get some guidance or anything like that, just shoot me a message. I'm, you know, it's me behind the direct messages. DMs are always open. Every message gets responded to, and, uh, I'm an open book. Awesome. And you have a Facebook group too. Yeah, I have a Facebook is Facebook group as well. The name of the Facebook group is the same as the podcast. So it's fit to be fierce with Josh Pierce. And that's, uh, it's a free community. And inside that community, I share a lot of, a lot of nutrition tips, a lot of mindset tips and strategies. I go, I do a live training in the group every week. My assistant coach does a live training in the group every week. So we, we just give, give, give a lot of information in there. So if information and strategy is what you need, um, community support is what you need. That's the place to be Search it on Facebook and, and just request to join and we'll get you in right away. Awesome. All right. Uh, anything else to add before we dive into some rapid fire questions here? No, I don't have anything else right now. All right. So I got three rapid fire questions around the state of Wisconsin, and then there's two final questions to wrap up. All right. Uh, first rapid fire question. When you're back in the state of Wisconsin, where is your favorite restaurant to eat at? Oh gosh, that is a great question. Um, this is, mm, Wow. The, the first thing that comes to mind is a very small town, Wisconsin, a, even a smaller town outside of Judah. There's a little bar called Twin Grove Stage Stop. And I love getting the pizza out there. The pizza is something that when I'm here, like in Austin, I actually crave their pizza. There's nothing like it. Um, and, and just another general response, I would say Wisconsin fish fry. You know, that's something that I do not get enough of in my life. And I really took for granted when I was there. Now that I'm not there and, and you say fish fry, like nobody knows what you're talking about. So any place that has good fish fry, but Twin Grove Bar is where this first place that I'm going and I'm getting pizza. That's awesome. All right. Uh, what's your favorite event in Wisconsin? Oh, favorite event in Wisconsin, I would say is the Packer game. Packer games, nothing beats a game at Lambeau in the cold when it's snowing in December. Um, let's make it a rivalry game against the Bears. Like nothing beats that. I, I, like I, I haven't been to an event that that tops that in my life. Actually, that's awesome. Uh, when you're back in Wisconsin, where is your favorite place to hang out? Oh, favorite place to hang out. That's that's a 
That's a great one. It's actually evolved a lot over time. Um, I'll share. I used to always go visit my friends in either Madison or Milwaukee and, and hang out, you know, of course in my twenties, it was like, Oh, let's hang out. Let's go to the bars. Um, you know, but my, the, the place that brings me the most memories hanging out there is when we would have the Tyler's Memorial tournament every August at the Judah community park, that, that was the place to hang out. We'd have, you know, five, 600 people down there for a weekend and just, you know, just, you know, everybody's just, just full of love and just wants to be, wants the best for everyone. And, and it was just an incredible time of making memories for a good cause. I would say that was, was always the favorite place to hang out now that, that, you know, that, that we're not doing that anymore now, mom and dad's house. It, it literally is mom and dad's house. And, yeah. and it's something that another thing that I took for granted so much, you know, I, I look out the bay window in the living room and I see this beautiful prairie across the road and, and, the, the, the woods and the hills and the cornfield. And I could just stare at that for hours because I don't have that here. You know, walking outside, sitting on the front step and having it be just dead silent. I don't, I don't have that in Austin. You know, I love where I live, but I don't have silence ever. You know, having a tractor drive by, you know, having the smell of, you know, in the summer, the smell of either, you know, chopped hay or, you know, manure in the air. It's like, that stuff's priceless. Nothing beats that. And, and now that I'm, you know, 33 right now, I realized that I took the simplicity for granted. I took the, that slow paced lifestyle, the country lifestyle, the country aroma, all of that. So, yeah, I know long winded answer, but mom and dad's awesome. No, that's awesome. That is awesome. All right. Two final questions here to wrap up then. Um, how has Wisconsin helped shape you into who you are today? Oh my gosh, Wisconsin made me who I am today. It, it literally, it you know, as I shared early on, growing up in small town Wisconsin, it it, it was we were very limited and, and like you know didn't have a didn't have a ton of um, things to do, didn't have you know not a ton of places to see things like that. So it planted this this craving to get out and see the world. And of course, when I went to, you know, going to school in Wisconsin or at Whitewater, it really helped me to see that I could see other parts of the world that, that I don't have to stay in Wisconsin. It opened doors to, you know, me getting into law enforcement to go to Florida, me traveling abroad to, you know, live in Spain, all of those things. And it's like now one of my favorite things to do in the world is, is to make new life experiences to see the world. And I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the curiosity that growing up in small town Judah, um, plant, you know, gave me. Yeah, that's great. All right. Last question I ask everybody on the podcast and ties back into the Wisco legacy concept here. So when all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Oh man, I, that's a, I love this question. Um, so for me, success to me is doing what I love with the people I love and showing others how they can do the same. So the legacy that I want to leave behind the legacy that I am leaving behind is that I did everything I could. I played full out and, and created a life on my terms. I wrote my own rules and I showed other people that it was possible for them to. That's great. And I can see that. Uh, and you can sense that through this conversation. So um, you're definitely living up to that legacy that, you, that you're, you're you. striving for. So really appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Anything else before we wrap up here? No, I just want to take a moment and thank you for creating this container, for holding this space for the conversation and um, asking fantastic questions. This is great. I, you know, it's not every day I get to have conversation about, you know, some of these things with, with 
you know, Wisconsin, or even just like talking about my past and, and, you know, these stories, um, that, that have made me who I am today. It's, it's interesting that just a few years ago, I remember telling people, I don't have anything good to share. I don't have any, you know, powerful stories. I'm just an average guy. And I didn't acquire any new powerful stories. It was that I, I, as I've grown, I realized that there were a lot of powerful stories inside of that, that I just didn't see. I didn't see that hearing those could change other people's lives. So I just want to thank you for this opportunity to get that stuff out there and potentially help other people. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you had some vulnerable moments and, uh, your authenticity is incredible. You know, I think that's probably a big reason why you have success in, in what you're doing is you're authentic. And, you know, when I'm looking for content to, to consume or, you know, people to follow, that's what I'm looking for is authenticity. So, so keep it up. Fantastic. Fantastic. Authenticity is actually awesome. one of my core values. So, so I, you know, I need to be awesome. authentic myself to show other people that it's safe for them to be authentic as well. Awesome. All right, Josh, well, thanks for joining Wisco Legacy. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Josh, for coming on Wisco Legacy and sharing your story. You're doing some really inspiring work. I'm so glad we were able to connect on here. If you all like this episode, please head out to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And finally, we have the video version of this on YouTube. Go subscribe there and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It would really help us a ton. So thanks again for listening to Wisco Legacy.